This week, I sit down with Dr. Sheriff Kirkich, co-owner of Talmadge Chiropractic and volunteer assistant soccer coach here at Talmadge High School. Dr. K, as most of you know him, is extensively involved in the Talmadge community. He loves to share his story, and once you hear it, you will know why. This young man is a proud husband and father and a fitness enthusiast. Thanks for listening to Between Two Blue Devils. Do me a favor, give us a follow on any of your favorite podcasting platforms and feel free to rate the podcast. This is the best way for us to spread the message of how incredible the city of Talmadge and its people are. Now settle in for this amazing interview. I promise you will not be disappointed. And as always, remember, everyone, including you, has a story that's worth being told. Welcome back, listeners. I am so excited about the guest that I'm able to bring to you for my first recorded podcast in 2023. Many of you know this young man. Uh, Some of your kids have played soccer for him. Others have been trained by him. And a large number of you have probably visited him uh, at his office here in Talmadge. But it is my honor to welcome a gentleman known as Dr. K, Sheriff Kirkich. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mr. Horner. Thank you very much. Well, first of all, thanks for your willingness to come in on an early Saturday morning and and meet me here. And I know we've talked about this uh, a lot, having you come on here and share your story. Uh, Generally, we talk about it when I'm in there at the chiropractor office getting an (laughs) adjustment. And every time you and I have a conversation, you kind of dangle that carrot. I'm like, man, I want to know more. I want to know more. I want to know more. And then before the interview started, you started sharing even more about your story. And I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the listeners are going to be wowed at some of the stories and some of the wisdom that you're going to drop on us. So, But first, before we get into your story, sure. why don't you tell us a little about who is Dr. K? Well, I am Dr. Kirkich, and I'm the co-owner of Talmadge Chiropractic here in Talmadge, uh, I was originally born in Bosnia and moved to the United States in 2001 with my family, uh, my family of five, my two sisters, grandma, dad, and mom. And now I live here in Talmadge with my wife and two-year-old son and one more on the way in August here. Oh, in August? Yes, August 4th. My wife is due with another boy. So life changed a little bit with one, and now it's going to radically change with two. Yes, sir. I'm excited. I'm, I'm really excited. I'm excited that's a boy, too. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, it, you, you mentioned that in 2001, you came from Bosnia, and I definitely want to talk about what brought you here to the United States. But before we get into that, let me just ask you this. Why, why did you become a chiropractor? Well, that's, that's actually a, an accidental profession that I stumbled upon because originally I was going to... Akron University, I studied exercise science and physiology. And towards the end of the, you know, my undergraduate, I really wasn't sure what I was going to do. I was working at the gym setting. Uh, I, I was planning on maybe owning a gym, running a gym at the time, but I'm a snowboarder. Okay. And I love to snowboard. And um, my friends and I went out to Brandywine one night and, and I fell some odd way. And for some reason, my back started to hurt and really didn't think of it. It was going to be a big deal at all. But two months later, we actually took my, my best friend and I moved him down to Houston 
uh, Texas, and my back hurt the whole way. Uh, I was miserable. We took a three-day trip. So when I came back, I, I actually was training a wife of a chiropractor at, at the gym, and I was trying to show her exercises, and I, I couldn't show her the exercises because my, 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 my back hmm. was hurting. And she goes, you got to go see my husband. You got to go see my husband. He'll take care of you. I didn't even really know anything about chiropractic whatsoever. So I just I just said, you know what, this is this is too much. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna need to have this checked out. So I went to Dr. Minorik over there in Fairlawn mm-hmm. and he's to this day is still a good mentor of mine, but I went over there and he, he took care of me. I went through some physical uh, some therapy there for about four or five weeks and I haven't had back problems since then, but that inspired me to become a chiropractor because I really I loved what he did with me, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I found that profession accidentally, to be honest. And I'm very passionate about it now that I'm able to help people with their back problems, but not just only back problems, but many other ailments and the musculoskeletal system. So that's that's my story. It's, it started off me hurting, wow. <laughs> and then going to seeking that kind of care. And uh, and that fall, I graduated actually from University of Akron in 2012, and just decided. I applied to one school, one school only. It was a school in Chicago, National University of Health Sciences. And I got in, told my parents, I I got four more years to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> my grandma was not really understanding that. She was ready. She's like, you got four years of college. You should have a nice, you know, established job. You should have a start a family and all that thing. But I said, grandma, I'm just going to, I think I'm going to pursue this and, and go to chiropractic school. So that's when I graduated from uh, chiropractic school in 2016, and uh-huh. I moved back here. All right, that, that's uh, it's funny that you'd mentioned Dr. Minorik. Uh, he was actually the very first chiropractor I ever went to, and my wife. Oh wow! And this goes way way back. Yeah, uh, she and I would we actually lived out in Farallon um, in the early stages of our our marriage, and the close to it, and so we would go to Dr. Minorik. It, yeah. It's funny how the accidental professions work, right? I know. Like, you never know when you're going to be inspired. No, or, you don't. Or who are you going to inspire? You don't. No, I was talking to my uh, my daughter and my son about this the other day because Noah, Noah's a junior, yeah. and we're asking him, okay, w- what do you want to do with the rest of your life? What are your interests? He's kind of, he's very much interested in sports and exercise science, okay. but he's just not sure. And I'm like, it's okay. You don't have to be sure. When I went to college, I had no idea. I mean, my first uh, degree that I declared was... Uh, archaeology at sure. Akron and they <laughs> doing total different yeah no. well and they didn't have an archaeology program so I'm like yeah well you know and I kind of switched and switched and you know education for me was a bit of an accidental profession it was this and listeners are kind of familiar with this but kind of an ultimatum that my wife gave me uh, by the time we started dating seriously I was a history major She's like, do something. You need to graduate mm-hmm. before we get married and I'm like okay I love coaching and I love talking so let's take the two of those, mix them together. What do you got? Let's be a history teacher and a basketball coach. And that was all she wrote. So accidental profession for me as well. I guess the moral of the story is because you are truly gifted as a chiropractor. There is nothing uncomfortable about your office. Oh, good. You know, the, the moment you walk in, you're greeted with a smile and you, you welcome everybody in. I'm always, it's, it's funny when I'm in the back getting the the, the TENS unit on my back, right? The TENS unit. The electrical muscle yeah, yeah, getting it on my back. I hear, you know, every patient by name. You welcome them in. You're asking them about their day. Uh, it, you, you truly are invested. So it, it's it's clear that this is your calling. Yeah, I, you I, think, it, I think so too. 
and also I, I just concentrate so much on on forming relationships with everyone not just my patients but I, I think that's th that's the key in life is having really good relationships with with the community and and I, that's why I love I love calling everyone by their first name or last name Mr. or Mrs. Doctor or something like mm -hmm. that because it's important. Your 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 name is is very very important. You you have a emotional con uh, almost like a response to it. So anytime I try to learn individuals' names as fast as I possibly can. Yeah, <laughs> I know the new soccer kids when they come along. There's like. 15 of them so it's I have to re rehearse the names <laughs> yeah you know I had a conversation with a colleague two days ago and and as an assistant principal in my new role you know I, it, I value relationships and and knowing kids and in the classroom and then now as the AP and in the mornings I stand out and I greet the kids with a fist bump I have nice. music playing and my goal is to know every student's name now we have over 800 students I'm hoping to get there by the end of the year, but but I'm really trying. But a friend of mine mentioned the other day that being out there and talking to the kids is so important. And her daughter came in to her and, and told her, you know what? I really like that Mr. Horner's out there. He knows my name. Yeah. You know, and you, you don't you think you don't think about that, but the value of knowing someone's name, it, you you are right. It's there powerful. is an it is powerful. Mm -hmm. And and it makes people feel noticed. Absolutely. Right. And so in your profession and in my profession. Now, I see it after school all the time with you in the weight room when you're in there. Uh, like last night, as I was concluding my workout, you had the young men around you, and I, I was watching you through the mirror. Kind of uh -oh. creepy, right? <laughs> and, uh, but I always do. I like to observe coaches, and I know good coaches when I see them. And you're, you're a great coach, but you're looking at every, every individual in there, meeting them eye to eye. And you know you know their names already, and I know there's some young kids, yeah, some middle some school kids, new ones. yeah. But you're uh, you're already building those relationships with them, so you love soccer. Yeah, I, I've played soccer ever since I was a little kid back in back in Bosnia. You know, just on the streets or on the gravel roads or wherever we got a chance to play. To be honest, but then yeah, I moved here. When we moved here in the United States, I just kind of continued some organized soccer. At, at Firestone, I went to Firestone High mm -hmm. School played there and then just kind of bounced around club soccer around here through college and in my undergrad and and then the whole coaching thing was i i believe it was through a patient too that somebody mentioned that they need a coach here and um, i just said well i'll give it a try i never thought about coaching but i i figured i love being around people and around kids and teaching them things so it actually worked out really well it was another calling that I, I never thought I would be decent at so. Well, it's worked out fantastic for Tommy High School. Yeah, I love it. I love it, and I love our whole t coaching staff here. You know, we have a young coaching staff, and and we're trying to build up the program, trying to build up the whole soccer community here in Talmadge. So hopefully, hopefully, we stick around for for a while so we can have a really good, successful soccer program here. Well, here's a newsflash for all the listeners. My my goal is to interview every coach on that staff because. Uh, I have deep admiration for every one of them, and, and I do love what you're doing. And I, I have an affinity towards soccer as well. Okay. That was it was soccer and basketball for me when I was in high school. Uh, absolutely loved playing soccer. It was kind of an accidental sport. You know, you talk about accidental professions. It was accidental for me. We didn't have a lot to offer when I yeah. was in high school, so I'm like, well, I want to do something in the fall. And we didn't have football or any other sports to contest with it, and so I I went out for soccer and just fell in love with it. 
Yeah. Not a, not very skilled. I had a big foot and a big head, so I played a lot of defense. <laughs> hey, so. you know, soccer is, it's 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 a good sport. It's athletic, athletic, you know, athleticism really shows in people. So you don't have to be really really skilled to to be a good soccer player. So you just you have to be a good athlete, I guess. And, so there you go. I, I was a good athlete, but not very skilled. Yeah, I could awesome. just boom ball it pretty far. So, <laughs> so I, had, I had fun on defense. So tell me a little bit about, so you mentioned um, that you graduated from Firestone High School, huh? Yeah. When did you graduate from Firestone? So uh, in 2008, I graduated from right. Firestone High School. Yep. And um, what, were you, what, what was Dr. K like as a high school student? Oh, gosh. Well, Back in those days, like the kids nowadays, they have the the, the specific hairstyle, you know, with the, the the poof in the front and the perms. Yeah. Well, back in the day in high school, we had this like Ashton Kutcher looking like haircut where <laughs> I actually it was funny because I wanted my hair to look really good. So I would take a shower at night and put a hat on while I was sleeping. So in the morning, I get this nice little poof on the above the ears so, it's <laughs> <laughs> so that way it goes across and it's nice you don't have any you know one of those hairs sticking up so that that was me and the hairstyle then but uh, you know I drove around in a in a nice little car as soon as I was able to to, yeah. to drive um, my dad and my dad helped me buy this Mitsubishi Eclipse it was 1998 black Mitsubishi Eclipse straight out of the Fast and the Furious movie, so uh, I love <laughs> working. Curled hair. Oh man, I was uh, yeah, I loved it. Uh, you know, I had the neon lights inside the car, underneath <laughs> the car. The car was lowered. I couldn't even drive it in the in the winter time because it was too low. But anyway, that that was me in high school. You know, I just uh, I you know I, I wasn't really involved in the high school like as much as just like soccer boys. And mm-hmm. you know, when you kind of get into this whole soccer uh, thing with high school, you just kind of know your friends there. Mm-hmm. But uh, wasn't really artsy whatsoever. I just kind of got by with the high school. I, that you know, I was still not speaking English really well. Uh, you know, that was so. I came in two thousand one, so I was in sixth grade. So by the time I learned really English, I was just graduating middle school. Mm-hmm. So I was still on a little bit on the shy, shy side. Actually, I was the shyest person in my eighth grade. I got an award. Really? You wouldn't think, you wouldn't think right now, right? <laughs> no, uh, no. But back in high school, I kind of just got in with a group of people that uh, you know just motivated me, my coaches and stuff. So that was always nice um, to be part of the whole soccer community. So that really built me up. And that yeah. So that was me in high school. It's so funny while you're talking about the hairstyle. First of all, not a lot of people were, well, guys will understand this. What is it, is it about a hat that actually styles your hair perfectly? I mean, I remember doing that in high yeah. school too. You'd wear it because you get the right flow. Or yeah, the right, right that, that, that was so, important. So funny you mentioned <laughs> that. But I think uh, another interesting podcast, or at least a psychology experiment, would be like the hairstyles that are specific to your groups. Because, oh, yeah. you know, when I played soccer, everybody different. had a certain style. But then when it was basketball season, then everybody who played basketball got a certain haircut. Most recently, uh, earlier this week, our swim team did yeah. their traditional like wacky haircut <laughs> where they, they dye their hair blonde and they do all these crazy things, you know, to prep for uh, for sectionals. But it is it, it's a funny thing to talk about. So you went from most shy to arguably one of the most charismatic individuals in Talmadge. That's uh, I, I think the biggest hurdle was you know learning how to speak English really well because. You know, you're 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 shy because you don't know how to speak. You you mm-hmm. kind of when you first start to learn a language, you almost just absorb and you're you're listening and you're, which is great.
but you can't speak it back. You're mm-hmm. understanding it until you know you start formulating words. And I mean, even to this day, sometimes I'm thinking, oh, how do you say this one word? But that's just how it is when you're when you're you're when English is a second language. Hmm. I still speak my native language, Bosnian. Bosnian, Serbian, Croatian, it's the same language, just a little different dialect in some regions. But yeah, I speak it every day. I try to go home to my grand, my, where my grandma lives, my dad, and they, we try to speak it. I try to teach Tadek, our little man, some some words, so that way he he's raised bilingual, which I, I think is a great quality to have. Uh, yeah, super important. So you mentioned it was middle school that you came to the United States? Yeah, I was in sixth grade. I started in sixth grade. I mean, that was the most... The shortest summer I've ever had, I was shocked because we finished school over there in Bosnia late, and then we started school here. And <laughs> I remember my sisters and I, we were just kind of disappointed because we didn't have a summer. We just right back into school. And that was difficult, you know, going to a, a country where you don't know the culture, you don't know the people, you don't know anyone. It's just you and your family and starting a school. Hmm. Didn't know this the language. So my first year of school my favorite subject was math because math was universal (laughs) the universal language yeah yeah. and uh, i didn't have to really learning the the numbers was quite easy but Mm -hmm. and so i was able to just go on the board and 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 do the problems you know without even speaking Mm -hmm. and and do the math math questions at home and math problems at home very Mm -hmm. easily but the speaking part was 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 very difficult so i got through it but about eighth grade i started to really kind of towards the end of the eighth grade get comfortable with it as you're talking you know I'm, I'm trying to imagine what it would be like to be in sixth grade so you're what 11 12 years old yeah 12 oh. so you're 12 years old and you are moving from one country to another and so I've got to imagine that moving from your home country is just an emotionally just dis- I mean uh, an emotional experience and then being dropped here in the United States. I mean, what what were you feeling as a sixth grader? I mean, talk talk to me about what was it like to wake up and and just think about your current state? I mean, talk to me a little bit about how you felt. Well, it, there's a lot of ups and downs there, but there's a lot of excitement in a way where when I first when we first moved here, we were excited. We left a place where if you remember in the early 90s, there was a, a lot of commotion in my country in Bosnia, you know, I, most people wouldn't call it a civil war. Some people will call it aggression. Some people will call it just a ethnic conflict there. But um, that aside, you know, my family lost everything. We lived in a little village uh, for generations. Mm. My generations go back, gosh, three, four. Um, I don't even know how far they go back in that little village. But that's so essentially, you know, a house destroyed, farm was destroyed. We kind of bounced around in Bosnia. and. Uh, Quite honestly, I was I was ready to leave because th- there was no future there. My parents decided. Obviously, I'm 12 years old. I'm I'm not looking. I'm, that mindset wasn't there yet. But the excitement of being in the United States was certainly there. So when we moved here, you know, we we were dropped in New Bern, North Carolina, uh, for the first time. We actually lived there for six months. So we were actually we were actually a, a sponsored refugee a family okay. through a program. So a church organization and in Newburn, North Carolina, brought us over. Really? But yeah, we, I mean, <laughs> we, we didn't even, I personally didn't even know 
which part I was going to. I didn't even know that I was going to North, North Carolina or anything. I didn't know how many airplanes it was going to take me to get there. That was the first time I was on an airplane. Mm. So that was an exciting adventure. So at that time, everything for us was new and exciting. And I wanted to learn it, but there was still, you know, that nervousness there, that anxiety about how, how we're going to fit in, how, how's the family going to make it, you know, hmm. how, how are we going to make, make a living here? But, you know, we were in the, in the right hands, I, th I think. Wow. Uh, God gave us that opportunity to, to come here and, and just start over, essentially. I remember my dad telling us that he had $50 in his pocket when oh, he wow. moved in, when we moved here to the United States. Six people in a kind of like few duffel bags of clothes. That's it. That's all we brought. And we'd left everything there, and we just wanted to start, start over. Wow. So, yeah, and we were greeted in, at, at the newborn. I remember this because, you know, expecting to come to another country, you didn't really know if you were going to meet individuals from mm -hmm. Bosnia right away. So we were greeted by this huge poster, you know, Dobro uh, Došla means welcome, welcome family, Kirkic, to that. And it was just shocker just saying, seeing that your own native language was written on a piece of paper there. It was, it was really comforting because... We didn't know what to expect. So, so this church in North Carolina. Yeah, it was one of the sponsors. One of the sponsors. Yeah, and then like the whole refugee program that was done through the United States. Okay. Yeah, that, that's who brought us over. Wow, that's that's fascinating. So, yeah, you know, I, many of our listeners are probably familiar or vaguely familiar with the conflict in, in Bosnia, uh, but your so your grandparents and your mom and dad came over. I mean, talk to me a little bit about what was life like in Bosnia. I mean, it was, it was this conflict. So your village was destroyed. Yes. And was there just constant like conflict? Was there a strong military presence? I oh mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously I was, I was six years old when this whole, the worst part was, you know, it started in the early nineties, 1990, maybe, but mm -hmm. I was just born in 89. So I was just under my parents' care. Mm -hmm. And, uh, my youngest sister was actually born in 93, which was kind of the worst of it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as a child, you really didn't even know, you know, you're, you, I remember certain things, you know, as a six year old, uh, you know, just some warfare stuff, presence of the military tanks and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we, we, we left and we left our village and moved into an area where it was safe for mm -hmm. families and so forth, where, you know, the military have, a military area was separate, you know, so we were kind of safe. Um, and we just bounced around different homes, which is kind of crazy to think about. We just, uh, there was abandoned homes, and we just broke into them, to be <laughs> honest, as a family. Really? Yeah, and uh, we just lived in them until their owners came back. And that okay. was kind of crazy. But, you know, in Bosnia, I felt free. Oh. You know, at that time, I was a kid, you know, 11, 12 years old. Had a little bicycle. It looked like four bikes put together into one <laughs> but it was my bike it had two different oh. tires in the back <laughs> or in the front and the back but I felt free you know it was just just an exciting time for me but at the same time it was a it was a miserable time for the country and mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain it because a lot of the feelings I don't quite remember because yeah. you're young you know? well yeah you're young and your parents you know they they do their best to try to to protect you you know yeah um I'm curious, did you ever feel, like, scared for your life? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Not just once. Many, yeah. many times. 
um, just uh, scared of not, you know, we went days without properly eating, you know, or even taking care of ourselves. I know I tell my story about my teeth sometimes. I said, I really didn't even brush my teeth for the first 12 years of my life because <laughs> we, we weren't, we didn't have the resources, you mm -hmm. know, we'd, uh, we weren't taught that. We were just trying to survive. Yeah. Know, so. Wow. So you didn't have the resources, but now my kids, I have to keep telling them, brush, brush your teeth. teeth. We yeah. have the resources. They just don't want to brush yeah. your teeth ever. It, yeah. So, well. so certain things, you know, I always don't, I try not to get riled up about certain, you know, small problems that, that arise throughout the day in our modern world right now, mm -hmm. because I do, I can relate. I, I, I don't, I can't relate in a way, but I can relate that other people that are in these third world countries, I know what they're going through, mm -hmm. what they don't have and what they do have, they make the best out of mm -hmm. what they have. So yeah, perspective yeah. is interesting, isn't it? It is. And, um, it, it truly is. So often we don't take time to try to see the other perspective or try to understand. We just make these assumptions right? and, um, and then it turns out being a, a disservice to either a group that's really struggling or to a, an individual, you know, it's it, in a more personal matter, uh, application for me, it's, you know, when you deal with so many different people, it, you I have to try, I have to be very intentional about learning perspective now. Like, uh, one of my friends kind of illustrated it, the iceberg illustration, right? Yeah. So you see the person ab above the waterline, yeah. but then you can't see what's below that what's and how deep the, the, the iceberg, kind of the root of the iceberg goes. Yeah. There's just so much that, that affects a person, uh, who they are, uh, how they're handling things, how, you know, what, what's going on uh, behind the scenes. And for you, as a sixth grader coming to the United States, um, dealing with culture shock oh yeah absolutely and, and dealing with all of these things that um that came at such a pivotal time in your life you know and now you come to the united states and you're trying to adjust in your middle school was there a person a teacher or someone who saw that kind of saw you and and helped you adjust yeah we had a, you know that program uh second language English is a second language mm -hmm. teachers are specific I, I, I can't recall her name but she was very helpful mm -hmm. in a way to just make me feel comfortable but it was a sh total you know culture shock because mm -hmm. I, I had to forget that people don't kiss each other on the cheek here anymore <laughs> <laughs> you know the whole personal boundary I, you know I was a kid I didn't know you're supposed to kiss your elderly you're you know you give a little cheek you know kiss on the cheek and then that that I had to uh, learn very fast. It it took only one person, one it person took, and yeah. one detention, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, we don't do that here in America. We, we do the whole, you know, shaking, hug, a little shoulder bump. But yeah, the, the culture thing is, you, you just adapt to it you right. know, very quickly. But uh, you know, uh, some of my teachers, I remember a social studies teacher. Uh, she was phenomenal at typing. I remember these MacBook, you know, the old Macs mm -hmm. with the cube thing looking. Uh, computers yep. Macintosh oh yeah she was I was so I was mesmerized how, I mean, this is the first time I've seen a computer I didn't know what this thing looked like either how she was able to type without looking at her fingertips but she always gave me you know some just books to look through because I didn't know how to read mm -hmm. so she gave me books just off the shelf to just kind of look through look at the pictures and and that was motivating you know she didn't expect too much from me but at the same time, I, I saw that she was trying to help me. Yeah. 
and she could barely communicate with me. Yeah. So I remember trying to read something. She told, she said, "Can you read this word?" And to this day, is <laughs> the English language, as you know, is is a tough language to learn. I remember trying to read the I word I as as an I as a, a, a in your eye. E Y E, you know, uh-huh. and I said, I, I don't know how to say that. And she goes, it's I. <laughs> and I said, how, how is that just I? <laughs> Wouldn't it be more simpler just to put a letter I there? Yeah, but then you mean I myself, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I, I said, you know, well, I'll, I'll, I'll figure this out. I'll, I'll learn it eventually. Wow. So when you, uh, I mean, did you just kind of learn it organically or did you take classes in English or... Yeah, it was more organic, really. To be honest, I, you know, we were given a dictionary, and I started learning words, which I made a mistake because I started with all A's, and I, I said I should maybe <laughs> get into the rest of the words. But we tried to learn, you know, ten words a night as a family. You know, my parents didn't learn that kind of stuff right away, just because they're they're worrying about how they're gonna make a living for the family. But yeah, just that was it. That was a dictionary, and mm-hmm. you just kind of get dumped into the world, and you have to figure it out. You got to figure you it just out. Yeah. Listen, and and you just try to figure it out, and you start, you know, making some words, and then you're describing the word to the individual. If I was, I wasn't sure how to say a certain word, mm-hmm. Mr. Horner, how do you say this, you know, word? And they just say this, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that, and then you start communicating, just by like almost segments out of the. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sentences and then you communicate so so you are sixth seventh and eighth grade you're trying to adjust to the culture uh, and you're learning english and then while you're at school mom and dad and grandma and grandpa are just trying they're uh, just jima just uh, grandma mm-hmm. not jima <laughs> i'm texting <laughs> uh, they're trying to adjust to our culture. Uh, what, what did your What did your mom and dad do? I mean, did they find work right away, or was there? Did they have assistance, like an agency that helped them? Yeah, it it was in North Carolina. My dad was actually thrown into work at this little milk factory, at, in like inside a freezer. So they they just got him doing something that you don't necessarily need English. They show him how to do it, and he got a job within, I believe, just a couple weeks mm-hmm. of being here. And uh, the organization helped us buy a car, uh, helped us with rent for the first few months mm-hmm. and took us to the grocery store showed us where the grocery store was and and uh, so we, we we just kind of got right into it my mom learned how to drive the car my dad learned how to drive a car and it was about six months when we lived in new Bern. one of the families from new Bern was one of the new families that moved to the united states too ended up moving here to akron because mm. they got a job through just a friend, a family friend, and, yeah. you know, at the time, 2001, I don't remember, the minimum wage was, what, four or five dollars, yeah. something like that. My my dad, that's what my, my dad was making, his minimum wage. Wow. So anyways, and so they call down and, and say, well, it's, they, they got work up here in Akron, Ohio, and my dad got a job through a friend, and he's still at the same job. That was his second job ever in his career, and he's still there at a little Spectrum Plastics Incorporated um, injection molding company up there. So he's been working. And we just packed up again, and we just moved up here with mm. with a guy that came down mm-hmm. with the truck, picked us up, and moved the whole family up here. And we lived in a duplex that was owned by another Bosnian family, which was nice because 
we can communicate sure. really well with them. Sure. And they were helpful too. Wow. So that, yeah, we just moved again. And that this is where we started our roots, you know, in, in Akron, Ohio. So wow. <laughs> that is, that, I mean, that's just an incredible story. And uh, to think about being uprooted from one country, uh, landing in another, and then going through so many changes. And, and now here you are um, with Deep Roots, Roots and Talmage. One of the things that I admire so much about you is that you are you're connected in so many ways uh, you moved here you established your business and then you got involved mm -hmm. and so you want to take us through a quick list of all of the different um, organizations that you're involved in with yeah, here i mean I, I certainly can i mean there's some stories within those organizations and the reason i joined those organizations i'll start with the rotary club okay uh, yeah, no, Rotary Club was something that I accidentally stumbled upon here. It was during the expo, actually, here at the at the rec center. Mm -hmm. I stumbled upon someone, a uh, young lady named Kim Kim Ray, and she, she told me about Rotary mm -hmm. and what Rotary does. But I figured out that Rotary was part of this organization that sent these small boxes that were sent all over the world uh, for kids uh, that were in the third world countries. And these boxes... There's many organizations that do these, but mm -hmm. Good Samaritan uh, uh, Church and organization did those, and they're just little Christmas child boxes. So my grandpa back in Bosnia was one of the individuals that was part of these organizations that received the boxes. Really? Yes. So I was a recipient of one of those boxes, and I remember just being a kid, 10, 11, 12 years old, right before we came to the United States, opening these boxes and just finding the things that you need, like a toothbrush or like a little toy or, or socks or, or something like that, that was just, it was just very nice to mm -hmm. be gifted these things. We didn't even know you were going to get ever. Wow. And so Rotary is the reason, that's the reason I joined Rotary because it, it, it goes full circle now. Yes, it does. I am on the other, on the other side knowing where these boxes are going to go to and the expressions on these kids and and the love now i get a chance to do that and and give back in that way and that's just one part that the rotary does our mm. rotary club of talmage we've been members my wife and i since we moved here and for that reason but it, it got us exposure to uh, get to know other you know community leaders because mm -hmm. rotary is just service club and we yeah. do a lot of stuff in the background which is which is really nice to give back to the community and, sure. and we do a lot of local projects so rotary is one of them uh, which i'm very passionate about yeah. uh, another well be, before we move on yeah. i i gotta i kind of gotta go back to this um this is the first time that i've heard from a recipient of one of those boxes uh i just that that just kind of blows my mind i'm uh i'm thinking about Sometimes I'm in, in some vulnerability, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to put all this stuff in a box. How do I know if it even gets to a, a child in, in, in another country? And, you know, our church does that. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's been other organizations that have promoted that. But now to hear what it felt like as a child to be on the receiving end of that. Oh, yeah. Um, I find it, it's deeply moving. It is. It is. And uh, it's something about, you know, just living and giving back and having those connections you never know you never know like we said earlier before we started you never know when you're going to be inspired or when mm -hmm. you're going to inspire someone to do something 
so it, it is it's just wonderful i remember just recently my wife was doing these last christmas and it was just a neighbor mm-hmm. part of akron children's she's a doctor down there and she's one of our neighbors but they were doing them from akron children's and they were collecting them and my wife was super excited because she knows how much this means to me and she, you know i told her this story and everything and she was so clever i mean she got so many things in these boxes mm-hmm. where if she was going to give you a bottle that you can put, she stuffed the bottle with stuff in there, you know, <laughs> with, with socks. So that way they didn't take up a lot of the, the uh-huh. wow. So that she can give as much as she can possibly do. And we don't know. Maybe I just know when that person opens that box, what they're going to feel. And it's, a, it's, it's a wonderful thing that humans can do that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm not going to lie. I am deeply inspired. I am never going to walk past the table that's asking, you know, for those donations again. (laughs) Um, But I also just keep thinking about as you're, as you're talking about putting the boxes together and as your wife is, you know, putting these boxes together, you're, you're resonating joy. Yes. And I think that's one of the things that we often kind of dismiss or don't think about when we do these acts where where we're giving to others, The, the recipient certainly is moved by it, but, point in hand the box i'm never going to see the kid who gets the Mm -hmm. box but the joy that it brings to give to others and to put those boxes together and to anticipate what the response is going to be uh that's one of the best forms of self-care out there isn't it yeah i mean it's like it brings joy and i I love you if our audience could see your face right now i mean you've been beaming since you've been talking about not only talking about being the recipient but now being uh the giver of that so the Rotary Club, thank you, Talmadge Rotary, for doing that and um, and inspiring Dr. K and so many others. So we have Rotary. Yes, yeah, so Rotary, obviously, uh, what, what else we got? Uh, oh, Chamber. Uh, I've been very involved with the Chamber ever since we kind of moved here when we started our business. So I was just a member of the Chamber, and then I was asked to run for the the trustee of the chamber and um, the current vice president of the, at Talmadge Chamber. Okay. So that's just my business aspect of it. Sure. I, I love the, the business side of what I do mm-hmm. because I am a business person in a way, and, but I'm also a doctor. So I love connecting businesses within yeah. the community and how we can help each other. So hopefully, hopefully that takes me far as well. I would love to continue staying with Talmadge Chamber. Well, not to move past the chamber too quickly either. Uh, you know, this last visit, I come in and I see the advertisement for the casino night. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I see right at the bottom, you know, all proceeds go, you know, benefit Tomage High School. And then yeah. we have this conversation that's one of the fundraisers for this, the, the large scholarships that yeah. the chamber gives. Um, but I, I just, you've talked so much about the chamber maybe not even you're not, maybe you're not even aware of it but you know when i come in and you know you mentioned you're going to get my back in shape so i can golf and i should consider yeah. playing in the chamber's <laughs> golf outing yeah. you know and but it's it's not forced it's it's genuine it's like a, a genuine passion i think i truly believe it's because you desire to serve the community so it's easy for you to kind of promote the rotary or the chamber and your involvement in it because you see the value, and it and it has a there's a personal connection to that. To that, yeah. so I just wanted to t- share that with you, well, and thank you. you know, and thank our chamber as well. I mean, the Rotary, the chamber, they do so many good things for for our community. They do, and it's nice to also know 
I, I remember the chamber last year reading off the recipients of some of the, the, mm -hmm. the $1,000 scholarships. And, you know, no one, I know the kids that received it, which is yep. great. I said, oh, that's wonderful. You know, that's a good person to, to give it to. Right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Inspired them and let them go to college. Absolutely. So, yeah, that chamber is really nice. It's so, it was very welcoming. The community here in Talmadge has just been phenomenal for us and my family. You know, from the get-go, I, I didn't really know the business aspect mm -hmm. of running a chiropractic office whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And I had some good mentors and some help just to help me out from opening up a bank account or mm -hmm. something like that to uh, running payroll. I was just taught that. Yeah. It was, I just needed the help. I, I wasn't an expert at it, so just ask for it, I guess. Well, and, <laughs> I, and I, another important takeaway, right? We are, we as humans, we are not here to do life alone. Yeah. And it's it takes some vulnerability to ask for help, but it's an important quality to have. I you think know? so. No one has this thing called life or business or teaching or administration. Nobody has that mastered. We all need mentors in our life. Um, a book I read not long ago talked about, you know, if you want to have a fulfilled life, someone should be pouring into you and you should be pouring into someone else at all times. I truly That's believe the, that. Yeah. You, and it, you referenced that iceberg uh, example yeah. before. You know, I my life has been filled with successes, but it's also been filled with so many failures and disappointments because that's just part of mm -hmm. being raised and learning. You know, the, the tip of the iceberg where you see uh, above the water is sometimes just all what people see as their successes, but at the bottom, you know, nobody knows that you failed multiple times at certain mm -hmm. things. But that, that, that motiv should motivate everyone, should yeah. motivate, hey, you know, just keep trying. There's, mm -hmm. If I can do it, not come into this country without knowing how to speak the language, mm -hmm. knowing, not knowing the markets, not knowing the, the culture, and you adapt to it, and you just keep trying, mm -hmm. anyone can do it. Wow. Anyone can be successful and, and live a good life in this country. So when you, when you think about past failures, uh, you know, and, and I'm looking at my life, and uh, just a little behind the scenes, some context for you. Uh, it took me eight years to get through college. Mm -hmm. uh, I was talking to our students not long ago, and I'm like, listen, I, I actually flunked out of the University of Akron. <laughs> and so and they're looking at me like, really? Oh. And you're our assistant principal? I'm like, yes, yes. And I, well, I would get those snickers and stares when I was, you know, I'm teaching advanced placement U.S. history, and I'm like, I couldn't get through math. I know math is the universal language. I'm the one who never picked up on it. So I married a math teacher. Oh. So, um, but, um, but, you know, I look at, I look at the failures I experienced and um, a conversation with a student the other day. I'm like, listen, I, I wouldn't want to go back and experience them again, but I certainly don't want to replace them because they have made me who I am today. Mm -hmm. um, are there, are there any failures that kind of stand out to you that were that really molded you into the person that you are today? Oh, gosh. I mean, there's probably many. Uh, I can't think of specific ones, but maybe we can try and think of some with just a business. You know, even just getting out of college mm -hmm. with a chiropractic degree, and here you are, you know, here's your doctor degree. Go out and, and make a living. But uh, they don't teach you how to run an office, how to run a business. Mm -hmm. So... You know, I had many failures from just making, I don't know, purchases that weren't really necessary or were trying something or simply as, hey, let's advertise this way and it didn't work. But that's just as a simple way. Mm -hmm. uh, 
big failures, uh, you know, flunking out. That's, <laughs> it's cool because I didn't flunk out, but I remember starting chiropractic school and starting to watch the show Breaking Bad, and I was uh-huh. just so sucked into it. And the first trimester of my schooling, <laughs> I didn't really study. I just <laughs> neglected it, and I'm thinking... I just paid $20,000 for this semester, and I just received the lowest score in anatomy grade. And I, I'm like, I got to stop watching this <laughs> you know, show because it's not going to get me anywhere. So I, I went right into it. I'm like, I'm going to hunker down for the next four years. I remember telling my friends, hey, don't invite me to anything fun or wow. exciting. Just let me finish this. You know. Mm-hmm. So that was just simple failure that just made me kind of – turn the switch on and just say, hey, I, I, I don't want to do this for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. I, I want to get this done right away. And yeah, I, I, I hunker down and yeah. just started studying. <laughs> oh, I, I, I chuckle because, you know, that show is certainly, oh, yeah, it, it sucks you in. But I just, I think about the, the number of times myself, as well as so many of our students, they get, they start binge watching something mm-hmm. and they lose and I've lost so many hours just watching. And I love the fact that you told your friends. I mean, that's a hard show. That's a hard statement to make to your friends. Leave me alone. Don't invite yeah. me. I've got a goal in mind. I'm not letting anything interfere. Yeah. You know, and so the sacrifice that you made at that point, and I know it was a costly one. I mean, I get it. it. I get it. It took me a long time to pay <laughs> off my student debt because I was I was an idiot in college and didn't prioritize it. But um but it's you know when you make that you make that compromise or that that decision then you establish that precedent that you're not going to let anything get in your way then now as a businessman man um it, it's that much easier to do that oh, you yeah. know to say to carve out and to be intentional about about your yeah. decision making and you know obstacles are always going to be there mm-hmm. there's if you gravitate to those obstacles you're, you're going to take your eyes off the goal mm-hmm. i have a quote in my in my office that says that clearly obstacles is what you see when you take your eyes off the goal mm. and i love reading that every single day because it's okay you, you know if you fail just briefly in a day just that's an obstacle just get over it move yep. on and, and and get to your goal yeah which more Quotes are good. Yeah, I, I like quotes. <laughs> yeah, quote quotes. I'm a big quote guy as yeah. well. And you know, as you're talking, there's a quote that comes to my mind okay. as well. By uh, you know, it's the the unexamined life is a life not worth living. Okay. You know, Socrates, okay. and this is one of my my life quotes. But when when the obstacle does get in the way and you're you're pulled off off track, you've got to reflect. You've got to learn, and then you got to rebound. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's the purpose of it. And, and so I, I place such value in just reflection and, and thinking about, um, you know, the day and the past hour and the past month and, and trying to grow rather than let, allow our failures to be wasted opportunities yeah. for growth. Because if, we, or if we're not aware of them, I, I think they can take over. And as we see in our communities, people fail once and, you know, they're down for years because mm-hmm. of, of just that the feeling that they get but that's we're all human we're yeah. all human we, we can all see that somebody tried and it's actually quite motivating if you failed and you just bounce right back up that's a wonderful quality to, mm-hmm. to be on the other side observing mm-hmm. um, and we need to tell individuals that let's just try another way mm-hmm. let, let, let's just not harp on that failure that just they just 
cause to sure. themselves because they know. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. So, and that's why I'm involved in the whole soccer. Yeah. And that's the the third thing that I'm really passionate about right now and share my experiences of a young man playing soccer and what I had to go through and you know as, as you know being a coach sports are a great way to develop character and develop relationships and mm-hmm. uh, you never know where you're going to go with sports I tell you mm-hmm. but that's 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 why I'm coaching here at Talmadge High School uh, as a soccer coach so can, can we have a verbal agreement that if any other schools hear this interview and want to recruit you onto their coaching <laughs> staff, you will not leave will Town not Beach leave. High School? Because <laughs> right. yeah, I will tell you, um, when you watch a coach in action, right, and we're blessed to have a large number of coaches here who get this, but when you watch a coach and the way that they interact with their athletes, uh, just like in a teacher or just like a band director or uh, – any, any aspect where a mentor is involved with, with mentees, uh, you can tell when someone has the it factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have that as a coach. Uh, I see when you're, when you're interacting with the young men, uh, you, you do have that connection. I know we talked a little bit about this, but um, I'm very passionate about it because this is why I love coaching. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't love coaching for the, you know, the wins and losses and all that. I, I love coaching because it's an opportunity to plant seeds that will last a lifetime oh, yeah. uh, in regards to what it means to be a young woman or a young man uh, and, and to uh, just to kind of help them become the best versions of themselves. And, and you certainly do that. And, you know, you, know, you mentioned you're a quote guy. Mm-hmm. So it's clear that you, uh, you, you're looking for ways to become a better doctor, a better husband, a better father, a better coach. Uh, what, what are some other quotes that you really like? Oh, gosh, I almost <laughs> came up with one by myself. Hopefully I'm not taking someone's uh, thunder here. Uh, but let me let me think of it. Uh, how does it go? Uh, the, the only life. Uh, hold on one second. How did I have it? I had it written down. The only thing that we have control over is our reaction to every life situation. Mm-hmm. And I think the boys this year we 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 taught them the equation of the O equals uh, our uh, reaction and events equals. What's the equation? I'm, I'm losing it, right? <laughs> but really, the most yeah. important part is the outcomes are going to be because of your reaction, but the events in your life um, are going to be just be there. So uh, I think the reactions to life situation is, is a really good quote mm-hmm. that I'm passionate about because, you know, you're going to get those days where, gosh, you just want to shake them up a little bit, but you, you can't, you know, mm-hmm. your, your reaction to it. And uh, y- you almost radiate that. Mm-hmm. Your, your 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 frequency that even if if something that was so disappointing you you, you just can't lash out because that's okay the, that situation will go away and yeah it will be okay and I, I love that perspective and it, it's been a lesson that I've learned you know in 25 years of education and in my new role you know I've I've seen a whole different side of that that you have you do have to be very intentional and you have to be very aware mm-hmm. of the language, the tone, the word choice, and, and the response, oh, because yeah. it, it could take months to build that relationship, but it takes, you know, one word or one bad interaction to destroy uh, the work that you've put in to try to, to, to reach that that student or that player or that customer. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, so being aware of that, I mean, 
you've got a lot of wisdom for being such a young guy. Oh, so, well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's also important too when you're when you're actually uh, don't do the right thing. It's it's important to to be the first person to go back and say, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, this is I, I made a mistake, and because you don't want to lose that relationship mm-hmm. that you just developed for so long. And yeah. I think that's the quality I'm, I'm bringing mostly to the soccer kids uh, here at Talmadge is. is I can play soccer, but I never really knew how to coach soccer, which I was very fortunate to have the coaching staff to teach me yeah. how to coach soccer in a way. So what I was bringing to the to the table was really the building the relationships and other aspect of playing soccer, not just like you said, the wins and the losses and the, the game plan and mm-hmm. so forth, which now I'm much, much better at. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's, well, it's beautiful when you, when you're passionate about, something right and you learn the technical side of it 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 makes you love what you do even more Mm -hmm. right and uh as a basketball former basketball coach my first time in um, 25 years not coaching but you know I, i know that as a basketball coach i just loved studying the game and seeing the you know the system how it comes together and how there are so many moving parts that when they're working in unison uh it it's a beautiful piece of art to watch right absolutely and then addressing the issue when when there's a miscue or a misunderstanding of what the role is and, and then taking the technical side and applying it to real life yeah and and what the our our young athletes and our students are going to to face i mean it, it is it's a great mirror for for real life for sure um do you have a favorite book yeah you know i'm not a big reader like my wife, my wife reads almost every single day, mm-hmm. but I'm a really good listener. So I've, when I traveled back and forth from Chicago to here, I came home almost every month to mm-hmm. visit my family. <clears throat> Pardon me. I, I listen to the, the books mm-hmm. on, on tape or on just Spotify or whatever, um, audible books. Mm-hmm. And one that comes to mind is How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh, Dale Carnegie. Dale Carnegie, yeah. yeah. And that's just a, a good book to really learn how you interact with people because we're going to be thrown into that every single day there's mm-hmm. not a day in in your in your life that you probably wouldn't go and, and and interact with people and know how to deal with people and people's decisions yeah. so I, I think that was one of the most i listened to that book qu- quite a bit and <laughs> that was very inspiring in a way just to learn just to take a moment yeah. in time and, and assess the situation mm-hmm. and be calm about it, everything. That's and awesome. That was neat. And but, I suggested that to a lot of my you know, colleagues and the kids that I train. And there's another book that was more scientific, Spark. Uh, great was, book too. Yeah, Spark was a very good book that, that I've listened to. Just learning how my passion about physiology of the mm-hmm. body and how important exercise is and what kind of development we can have in our brains and the neuroplasticity of the changing effects on the brains and the neurons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's phenomenal because I use the technique where I was, a, I was one of the, the students that was in the gym exercising the most during finals week because mm-hmm. I remember reading in that book how powerful that 30 minutes after moderate to vigorous exercise it yep. is to go and, and just do something complicated that you haven't been able to get or because your brain just works really, really, yep. really well after that. And he wants to learn because yeah. it's, it's almost like ingrained in our innate 
you know, evolutionary traits that we have as, mm -hmm. as a human. We, we went and hunted and gathered. So that was exercise. And then we figured out how to use a stone to cut the, <laughs> to cut the meat, you know. So yeah. that's how we evolved. I think we evolved to become what we are right now. It took yeah. millions of years. But So I, I'm going to be honest with you. Your two books, um, both of them are in my top ten. Oh, wow. Um, I, uh, the How to Win Friends and Influence People, that's the book I give uh, generally to seniors at, if I go to the graduation party. I, I've got three copies sitting nice. in my car right I now. Love it. Uh, age old principles on how to, you know, I talk about the principles that he wrote about a lot. And then Spark, uh, if I were to design a school and a schedule of a school, I would take the principles I learned from that book and we would be starting off with rigorous, you know, hard work in the morning, uh, raising that heartbeat and, and then putting them in a student in their most difficult class yeah. so that they are at their peak stage of learning. Yeah. Um, yeah, Spark, I read probably, oh, I don't, I might be a little bit off on this, but at least 10 years ago and just loved it. I, I had it out the other day, ironically, right. because my neighbor ordered it. And I'm like, I have that book. And I, I found it at Ollie's Over for five Tokyo? bucks. Yeah, yeah nice. so I, I bought a copy of it. But um, two incredible sources. So, Dr. K, we are about to uh, kind of wrap up the podcast. Sure. I know you've got young men waiting for you down in the weight room, and yeah. you got to run it. How about this for servant leadership? Uh, this young man is going to run out and pick up a, a player because they needed a ride to their Saturday <laughs> morning workout. Uh, but um, before we do that, I know this is not your intent, and you probably did not know that I was going to ask this, but I'm going to give you 60 seconds to kind of put a plug out there for your company. Oh, wow. Well, we are a, a full-service chiropractic office in Talmadge, uh, on Talmadge, well, actually on East Avenue, 168 yeah. East Avenue. We, we're not your typical chiropractic office. Uh, we offer acupuncture in our office, massage, functional medicine, and our famous uh, MLS laser therapy, which we treat all kinds of ailments, whether you have a, a torn rotator cuff, carpal tunnel, something just sprained, soccer player rolled a, their ankle and they just got a big ball on their ankle. We can treat that. Hmm. Um, we've been in business for six years now, yeah. seventh year going, but the office has been open since 1989. So we, we took over a retiring doctor's office uh, on the same location. So we are located at 168 East Avenue uh, in Talmadge, right off the circle there. Uh, some people that you'll meet there is my wife, Dr. Braden. She works with patients that are chronically ill, need to wait, lose weight. She works with patients that have diseases such as thyroid dysfunction, diabetes, any autoimmune disease. So she's gravitating towards that passion. Okay. And maternal health and so forth, female health. I mean, sir, our acupuncturist works with patients that have chronic anxiety, depression, headaches, and, and that sort. And she's your sister. And she's my sister. We have a phenomenal two massage therapists that will work all your kinks out. And myself, <laughs> I concentrate mainly on the on the spine and mainly uh, spinal disorders such as sciatica pain or mm -hmm. pinched nerve anywhere else in the in the back, uh, issues with radicular pain down into the arm or down into the leg. Okay. So that, that's my little spiel. How much chiropractic? So are there are are you? Uh, how, how, what's the best way for somebody to get in contact with you? Um, are you on social media yes. at all? Or uh, You can go directly to our website, Talmadge Cairo, 
gmail.com or you can go find us on Facebook at Talmadge Cairo, Instagram at Talmadge Cairo, and uh, phone calls. Really, a lot of people call us by calling 330-633-1909. That phone number has been in Talmadge for a little while. All right. Mm-hmm. So I cannot hi- recommend you more more than I, I, I highly recommend uh, you guys. If you go see Dr. K, you will not be disappointed. It is a wonderful company here in Talmadge. So I want to thank all of you for listening in. This incredible story, Dr. K, his story is amazing. It's inspiring. Uh, He is an unbelievable young man who is impacting lives. Uh, I want you to share this story out and make sure you reach out and schedule your next chiropractor appointment with him. Please remember that everyone has a story, and that story is worth being told. Thanks for listening.